Good evening. Good evening. Good to see everyone. We're just out of a budget session now into the regular session, so we're a little bit road weary, but it's been good stuff. It's been good stuff. You learn a lot through the budgetary process. You get to look behind the scenes from the fire chief and everybody else. So we appreciate the um, different uh, officers reporting to us today, letting us know what's going on. Um, they don't just tell us what they need financially. They also tell us what, what goes on every day. So, Mr. Rickerson, we, we're learning a lot, sir. We're learning a lot about Liberty County. Um, Mr. Mosel, has the meeting been properly advertised? Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. I see that we have uh, Pastor Hayes, Richard Hayes, here with us today. Happy to have him. We've got the top of the chain here, so if you come, sir, lead us in our invocation and our pledge, we appreciate it. It'll stand now for our invocation. <clears throat> I didn't hear the gavel. I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to be here on today. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we are so thankful and honored to be here on today. We just appreciate you for your goodness and for your mercy and how you spared so many times Liberty County and our surrounding areas and continue to bless us and increase us. Bless us and lead us on tonight, these great leaders, as they go forth and continue to do the business of this community to make it a better place to live and to stay and to call home. We give you thanks, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag. United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, sir. <coughs> see you. Commissioner Gillard has to step out. He's presenting some awards at Liberty High School. He's going to try to make it back shortly. It's that time of year for our high school students. Um, and we are Let's see, I want to, at this time, make recognition, if we will, Mr. Brown, uh, of um, you know, when we were here the last time, I think, last regular meeting, we made recognition for Davion Mitchell for uh, <coughs> Baylor Bears winning the NCAA championships. Since that time now, we have Mr. Richard LeCount, also a Liberty County native who's been drafted, remind me, by the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. So we're happy for him also. For others who are from the coastal empire, but certainly happy for those who are from our local area. Uh, let me give the, I think his name is uh, the young man, Davis, young man from uh, Long County, uh, who, who references uh, Hinesville. Sometimes he'll say Hinesville, he'll, he'll say Ludovic Hinesville. Mm -hmm. so, so he claims us, we'll claim him too. Yeah. I think the story is he lived over here for a while and then moved to Long <coughs> County, I guess. So we'll claim him too. So we are county of winners and champions so we want to be proud of those young people and their accomplishments Man. and we pray for their success in front of those careers you know things can happen so quickly in sports that will change the dynamics so we pray for them to be successful in their careers and that they know that we are proud of them and also we appreciate them for being role models for those who are coming behind them but I always want to remind them that, and my mom would say don't ever forget the bridge that brought you over so Happy for our LCRD and the party played in their success, and of course their parents and those of us who have given our support to them all through the years. And we uh, are more than elated when they sit on TV um, from Hyannisville, slash Riceboro, Georgia. So we're proud of that. All right. Um, and then I, I do know there's some tentative plans being made for yes. Richard LeCount. They'll be announced later to have a celebration for him in the city of Riceboro, city of Pittsburgh. So. We're going to join in with that when that time comes. All right. The agenda at that time will call for the minutes of the April meeting to be uh, approved. 
Chairman, I'll make a motion that we accept the minutes as presented. Second. A motion second. We accept the minutes of April 6th and April 15th. Are there any discussions? <coughs> there being none, all in favor will raise your right hand. All opposes, the minutes are adopted. Thank you so much. Proclamation, International Firefighters Day. I heard they had a, a, a recognition of the city of Hinesville. Is that right? That is correct. All right, then let's, let's do it better over here at the county. <laughs> so, uh, good evening, uh, Chairman, Commissioners. International Firefighters Day is in uh, recognition for the firefighters across the world, not just here locally um, within the U.S. So this takes place in reference to an incident um, <coughs> in the late 90s where Australia had a huge fire going on. Some firefighters were sent from the U.S. out that way and paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, they lost their lives. So International Firefighters Day was founded <coughs> on to be May 4th of every year. So on this day, we, we want to make sure that we not only remember and never forget those that we've lost, but also to show thanks to those who are continuing to serve as we never know if we're going to be coming home. Uh, so this, this is just the time. But this is a, a, a recognition that is seen around the world. It's not just here in the US. It's in Germany, all, all those other countries. I will be before you guys again for Firefighter Month being September, uh, which is a U.S. thing. But this one's particularly for the ones that we've lost. Uh, luckily, here in Liberty County, we have had some firefighters <coughs> who have passed away, not due to line of duty. Uh, it, it hurts regardless if it is line of duty or not. Uh, but for our, our department, we have we've lost three firefighters over the course of the last five years. Two were actually back to back. Um, so. This, this is special to them. So regardless if they lost their life in the line of duty, they, they ultimately gave a service, so. Thank you, sir. Mr. Brown. <clears throat> this is a proclamation of the Liberty County Board of Commissioners for International Firefighters Day. <clears throat> Whereas International Firefighters Day was established in 1999 to remember those firefighters worldwide lost in the line of duty, protecting the safety of us all. And whereas the role of a firefighter in today's society, be it urban, rural, natural environment, volunteer, career, industrial, defense force, aviation, motorsport, or other, is one of dedication, commitment, and sacrifice, no matter what country they reside and work in. And whereas International Firefighters Day recognizes those firefighters who have <coughs> served their communities for most of their lives and those who have served for just a few short years. And whereas, hailing from all walks of life, there are mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents, neighbors, and friends. They protect us without wanting of recognition or reward. In our time of need, they are, they are there with courage, compassion, and loyalty. They are the essence of the true meaning of community. Therefore, be it resolved that the Liberty County Board Commissioners to hereby encourage all citizens to recognize not only <coughs> the local firefighters, but those worldwide on May 4th, 2021, and year-round for their courage, selfless service, and sacrifice. All right, sir. Chairman, Commission, with this, we have gone ahead and publicized on uh, the county Facebook page and the county fire Facebook page. Um, some social media push. You guys know how I am with community involvement. Mm -hmm. um, we are asking that People who want to, you know, do any type of drawings, whatnot, there is an email listed on there uh, for them to send it to us. And what we will do is we'll we'll post those drawings that may be from kids, where wherever they may come from. We'll post those on our social media as well as on our web page on the the county web page. Thank you, sir. Good you. good effort. Will you please come? 
on the podium. Guys, and pictures <coughs> of you all together. And I see Mr. Moses preparing to. Let's let him receive it, Mr. Moses. Where is it? He said, get it out of your hand. Congratulations, and thank you for your service. Let me put a plug in. I guess now is as good a time as any. Um, we, in our budget, budgetary sessions, we also discussed staffing, and uh, Chief Darby and, and others, uh, Erica Fernando and others mentioned that some of the <coughs> hardships of filling some of these positions, I know EMS is coming up next and you're going through some of the same changes, difficulties, so we want to encourage, uh, especially those from our local community, those who are pursuing careers to consider firefighting, to consider being an EMT or being a, a paramedic. Consider being a 911 operator. I mean, those are great positions that will provide you with some longevity in the workplace. Um, and it also gives you the opportunity to give back to your community in a very special way. So we want to encourage, uh, especially the local citizens, uh, to consider, uh, it was, I guess, their public safety, but certainly being a firefighter. Man, I remember a lot of little boys used to dream about being firemen, you know. Uh, and certainly we need our paramedics, our EMTs to work, and certainly our 911 operators. So all those are very valuable and viable positions. So um, we're encouraging our citizens to consider those when you consider everything else, to consider those also. And, and there's nothing better than giving back. And it, in fact, it becomes kind of a ministry of sorts when you can help save a life, whether it be through the jaws of life or <clears throat> taking someone from a burning car or from a burning home, saving a life healthcare with making the EMT calls, making the runs, uh, being able to provide CPR, whatever <coughs> is needed. Being a 911 operator, getting that call and directing those persons to, to, uh, to help those who need assistance. So as a commission, we just want to support, you know, those, those vocations and ask our citizens to please consider those. And we, we need you um, and, and the public needs you and there uh, can be very few jobs that are more fulfilling than doing those kind of things. I want to go ahead and give that little um, commercial <laughs> for you guys to encourage him. Now let's talk about EMS if we will, sir. So we want to, we want to put some folks on the spot there too. Uh, <laughs> Mr. John Zekel is here. John is uh, actually acting as the director over there right now in the interim. And Crystal Hensler is with him and she's the operations officer for you. Come to the podium and just kind of give us an overview <coughs> of what this is all about, if you will. I came a little prepared. I had something wrote. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, EMS Week is celebrated the third week in May. It's in conjunction with all the other healthcare professions in that month, and it's just a week that reserves for us to be acknowledged and recognized. And this is for you guys. 
Thank you, commissioners, and thank you, Liberty County, for your recognition to our EMS service. Our men and women of Liberty EMS work countless hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They sacrifice time away from their loved ones to tend to the needs of a stranger or to their family. Our medics miss out on celebrations, birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, graduations, and other monumental moments that others may take for granted. Alongside of us, we work with our brave men and women, the firefighters, the police officers, the Good Samaritans, the helpers. We rely on our communication from nothing more than a radio with our dispatchers relaying the needed information. We thank them all for their support. EMS tend to be needed when someone is at their worst and often most vulnerable times. <clears throat> Sometimes the job calls for witnessing a baby take their first breath or holding an elderly patient's hand while they take their last. Why do you <clears throat> choose this profession like this, you may ask? Simply put, it's rewarding. Knowing that you make a difference in your community and to your patients, no matter how big or small, is rewarding and self-gratifying. I cannot be more blessed or content to work alongside my brothers and sisters in EMS serving our community in Liberty County. There's so much positivity around us every day if we just, for a moment, stop to really take this in. And I feel confident you would all agree. I'd like to share with you an influential quote from the late Mr. Rogers, which may be the reason I'm here today. <laughs> when he was a boy and would see scary things on the news, his mother would say to him, look for the helpers. You'll always find people helping. I want to thank all our men and women serving in EMS, especially in our neighborhood, not just today, but every day. To be recognized with an EMS proclamation is truly an honor. County <coughs> and commissioners, I thank you for taking this time and acknowledgement. I want to remind everyone to always look for the helpers because in those helpers you will find that they are just like you and me trying to make this world a little bit better of a place. Thank you to the citizens of Liberty County for allowing our EMS to serve you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let the church say amen. amen. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. <coughs> I'll try to get through this after that. <laughs> Good job. This is a proclamation, Liberty County Board of Commissioners, EMS Week. Whereas emergency medical services are a vital public service, and whereas the members of emergency medical service teams are ready to provide life-saving care to those in need 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and whereas access to quality emergency care dramatically improves the survival <coughs> rate of those who experience sudden illness or injury. And whereas emergency medical services has grown to fill a gap by providing important out-of-hospital care, including preventive medicine, follow-up care, and access to telemedicine. And whereas the emergency medical service system consists of first responders, emergency medical technicians, paramedics, emergency medical dispatchers, firefighters, police officers, educators, administrators, pre-hospital nurses, emergency nurses, emergency physicians, <coughs> trained members of the public, and other out-of-hospital medical care providers. And whereas the members of the medical, emergency medical service teams, whether career or volunteer, engage in thousands of hours of specialized training and continuing education to enhance their life-saving skills. And whereas it is appropriate to recognize the value and the accomplishments of emergency medical service providers by designating Emergency Medical Services Week. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Liberty County Board of Commissioners declare the week of May 16th through 22nd, 2021 as Emergency Medical Services Week with the EMS strong theme, This is EMS, Caring for Our Communities. All right. <coughs> so you and John will come. Commissioners, if you wouldn't gather in place once again. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, I'm going to give this back to you. You have the, you have the holder for it. <laughs> Get on this side. 
And I, I see the father of a firefighter out there. With him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Congratulations. Good to see you. Good to see you. We need a copy of that speech, Crystal. <laughs> you did good. Yeah. And Brian, she she included her firefighter brothers in there too. <laughs> yeah, good job. Thank y'all for what you do. Thank y'all for what you do. Okay. Awards, Carl Vincent Supervisory Program. Yeah, he has a he has a folder for it to go in there. Cause. So we we have we had some folks that uh, attended the supervisory program that, that a lot of folks went through that you recognize, I believe at your last meeting, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. all this Institute to government. And there were some because of scheduling and their work and, and things like that, that they weren't able to be at the last meeting and they were a little delayed in trying to finish up. But one of those is with us tonight and this Assistant Chief Jared Huffman of the Fire Department. So <laughs> <laughs> Deputy Chief to come up. Let's see. Very good. Why don't we get you <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's smiling now. <laughs> you want me to get up again? Yeah, you got to come up here, too. Oh. And Mr. Brown has folders for the proclamations that y'all get in. Get it back to her. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All righty. LCPC is coming. Mr. Gandhi, how are you, sir? You and Mr. Rickerson. Having a good evening? Yes, sir. It's yes, well. Sir. Thank you. A little bit warm for my taste. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I just have one item for us tonight, which is a conditional use uh, for a solar energy system. This is basically just a ground-mounted kind of larger solar panel. <coughs> And just for your reference, whenever we have a rooftop solar panel come to us, we can sign off on that administratively. Mm -hmm. The reason this has come to y'all is because it's ground-mounted, um, regardless of it being pretty small. Mm -hmm. So this is a conditional use petition submitted by John Mahoney, uh, the owner of the property, to build an 8.58-kilowatt ground-mounted solar array measuring about 400 square feet on a residentially zoned property. 
That property is zoned R2, like I said, and is uh, point, or, sorry, 1.11 acres, more or less. The property is further described as parcel 260A234, and it is on North <coughs> and located in District 4. So here is a sign out in the front here, um, and then our legal ad. So just to place you, um, the Isle of Wight area here, this is North 4th Street up this way. Uh, most of these properties are pretty small, but, you doing, sir? Most of these properties are, are pretty small, like you see, but this one is actually ha combined. It's, you know, basically it's a little bit over an acre rather than the half acre like most of these. So this is kind of where you can see the sign. So it's a kind of a, a larger thing here. There's a lot of open space in this area here. Uh, they're planning to put these solar panels pretty much right there in the center of the property uh, so as to, you know, not really bother any neighbors with it. It's a, it's a sizable property, so. <coughs> Uh, and you can see here it's zoned R2, like all of the spots around it. Uh, here's a note from Coastal Solar. Uh, they'll be designing and installing an 8.58 kilowatt ground mount solar array system at the request of John Mahoney. Uh, he would like a solar system for his home to improve the environment and cut energy costs for his home. Uh, and then this here is just there uh, as required by your solar ordinance deconstruction decommissioning plan, just stating that they are responsible for decommissioning the solar panel if it is abandoned or anything like that. So this is just an example of kind of what I'm talking about with a ground-mounted solar array. Um, this one in the picture is a bit larger than the one they're going to be using, but this is the type of thing it will be. Uh, you can see here it's going to be 11 by 37. Uh, it'll have two rows like that. So for our report, uh, the solar ordinance currently requires that all ground-mounted solar energy systems go through the conditional use permit process. So this application for <coughs> ground-mounted solar energy system conforms to the ordinance's requirements as well as the considerations for conditional use. And I outline those here. Approval of the conditional use shall not adversely affect economic values or the physical appearance of the neighborhood. As I said, this is in the middle of an acre large property. It's not really that big, 400 square feet. Uh, we don't foresee it doing that. Plus, there will be some buffers we're going to talk about. Uh, the physical and environmental effects of allowing the conditional use shall be considered. No physical or environmental detriments to note. Uh, buffer zones. So buffers are not required by the ordinance for this type of conditional use. However, we did speak to the applicant, uh, to Coastal Solar. And they are going to be adhering to a 20-foot vegetative buffer as well as fencing. Uh, the property is already fenced, but they, and, and most of it is vegetated as well as in, you know, tree cover. Um, but we've added a special condition on here just to be sure everyone's on the same page that they've agreed to. And they say, well, you know, solar panel will continue to function fine. Mm -hmm. So additional uh, space for parking, landscaping, um, not noted here. So our approval, like I said, is conditional use uh, approval with uh, standard and special conditions, excuse me. And our special condition, 15 foot, sorry. The applicant shall place a six foot fence and a 15 foot vegetative buffer around the solar energy system. So um, like I said, this property, if I roll it back a little bit, is already fenced the entire way around and um, most of it is vegetated. They are uh, planting uh, a little bit, but there's, uh, there's pretty much trees like all around the sides here. So uh, we did uh, get a few calls from people asking what was going on, but you know, once I explained what was going on, no one had any objections to it. Okay. Ms. Chairman, I had a question. Did, uh, is that like in a mobile home park? No, or this is a uh, one acre lot. 
Uh, no, these so these are all half acre lots. These are some of them are mobile home. All the ones on this street are mobile homes, pretty much. There are a few houses here. R two allows for double wide mobile homes and mm -hmm. for single family homes. So it's kind of a mix of sorry, it's kind of a mix of them in this area. Um, you know, up on a let's see here. So these R two lots here are, allow for both single family homes and you know double wide mo mobile homes. So. There's kind of a mix of them here. These ones along in R1 here, those are all single family homes. Um, but yeah, all the lots in that area kind of look pretty similar to this. What was the street it was on? North 4th Street. Alawite. Is that, how, how big is those solar panels? Did so they have the, like a length and width on them? So 11 by? 11 by 37. So I just, you know, rounded to about 400. Is he here? Uh, no, our applicant is not here. I don't believe he was able to make it. Oh. Hmm. Uh, so you can see <clears throat> 11 by 37. What happens if he moved? That's what I'll yeah. ask a question. So, oh, so, sure, sure. So there are three types of solar systems, mm -hmm. um, small, <clears throat> small, medium, and large. large. And, I, and, and have they submitted a decommissioning plan? Uh, this is qual yeah. This qualifies as our decommissioning plan. Like I said here, um, well, that just says they'll remove the debris after they put it up. Yeah, essentially. So I, that's not saying that what they're going to do, if it ceases to be used in the removal, they, they have to submit a decommissioning plan that talks about if it ceases to be used for 12 months, according to the ordinance, produce power, then it needs to be taken down. Um, so they have to they have to produce a plan under the solar ordinance that shows. And it does, I believe, I was looking again, and we can go back through this maybe, uh, but there is a buffer requirement in a residential area. There is a buffer requirement, but it doesn't actually state what the buffer requirement is. Um, when we went through the ordinance, it, it listed a, um, a buffer zone D, but it doesn't explain anywhere in the ordinance what buffer zone D is. <coughs> gotcha. gotcha. So which is why we just worked out a buffer with the, you know, with the, with the developer. Yeah, I, I, my main concern was there, there's no decommissioning plan. Remember right. we talked about that when we were going yeah, through the... Uh, they've got to submit a decommissioning plan. And that ground-mounted small... The ground in a one-acre lot. They, I, I think, in fact, it, when we went through that ordinance, we talked about bonding, we talked about a lot of things for yeah. decommissioning to be mm -hmm. placed, and I believe in that decommissioning plan it calls for some type of financial stipulation to be put in in that plan to guarantee that if they abandon the property that it mm -hmm. can be removed. It doesn't fall back on the county to have to remove it or remove a hazard out there. So <coughs> that'd be my only concern from a staff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's noted. I, I think that uh, yeah, all they say here is that, you know, as far as decommissioning plan, we will remove all debris caused by coastal solar power from the installation of the solar array and return the property to its condition uh, prior to the installation of the solar array system or to some other condition reasonably appropriate to the designated land use after the incident. <clears throat> Debris yeah. causes me a little concern. It causes you're, me you're really concern talking about removing the array in itself, so I don't know. I mean, it causes me concern that they, that, you know, those solar systems are awfully low to the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, it being on that small of a lot, and somebody may accidentally run into it or something? I don't, I don't know. Oh, uh, um, I, I, I think I don't know if, uh, I, think the I don't know that we've approved one of these. You have not, ma'am. This is the first one to be applied for since Because normally you see something like passed. this on a larger, larger scale. acre, mm -hmm. you know. 
And yeah, I this is this is quite unusual. I wonder why he decided to go with a solar, although <clears throat> a lot of people promote that it um, helps save energy, but I don't, I don't know if it does in Georgia. <laughs> Where's this going to be at in the, in, in the front of the house or in the back? No, this will be. So this is the road here. Here, this is the front of the house, which you can kind of see in this picture I took a little earlier. You can kind of see what these two are the same lot. They're, uh, it's a father and son, I believe, own, are living on this property, but they're they're the same lot here. And so let me go back. So it's actually going to go right here in the dead center, basically, of the lot. So. They're, they're doing it such as that it shouldn't be visible to neighbors in any way or, um, you know, be anything anybody would mess with. That did Commissioner uh, Stevens' question about if he sells the property, is that, do we have that in our ordinance? Um, it is. There's, there's a whole, I mean. Hmm. There's a lot in the solar. I'd ask that you hold up that and let's get a look at the decommission. There's a whole list of requirements on the site plan that's required. With watershed to be considered and species, <coughs> um, topographic drawings, um, certifications, including liability insurance, a stipulation in the agreement that has to be signed that says, okay, liability insurance for the duration of the project. Um, and then there's a specific decommissioning plan that has to be submitted uh, upon termination of property ownership, potential safety hazards, removal plan that shows how it's got to be <coughs> removed and recycled. Um, I just, I don't so uh, some of those things I do have, um, a few of them I believe Jeff said we would waive since it was a smaller project. Um, we just talked about um, <laughs> code enforcement. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, uh, this, this solar array is, is, is equivalent in size to the ones you might see on somebody's roof. And we, have, we do have a number of those throughout the county in the city of Hinesville. Mm -hmm. So we, we felt like that for a, the, the, the requirements for the commercial one wouldn't necessarily be in, in, in place here or in order here because uh, this is a residential property and once if the house sells, then the array would sell with it. Mm -hmm. And you know the, the, there is a statement here that says it will be when it's, when it's no longer in, uh, useful and when it's outlived its useful life, they will remove it. But we didn't feel like it was necessary to do all the environmental studies and the <coughs> things that we're requiring for a commercial facility like the one in Riceboro that's owned by by Duke Power. I mean that's a that's a commercial facility, but this is a backyard facility. They just simply didn't want it sitting on the roof. They just wanted it in the yard instead. So it's a it's really a residential for for that residence. It's not for commercial use. Okay. But I mean, if you want us to to strictly, um, you know treat this one like a commercial, we can do that. And, that, and that's, it's, we, we can do that as part of the permitting process, if, if that's what you want us to do. But we felt like that since this was a residential uh, nature, uh, that it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be called for in this case. It's certainly up to the board. It's just the ordinance doesn't make a differentiation between commercial and residential. It talks mm -hmm. strictly about the types of systems being building integrated on the roof uh, or ground mounted. <coughs> And then it talks about small-scale <coughs> ground mounted that's mm -hmm. less than three acres, which is, according to the ordinance, what this would be. Mm -hmm. uh, so, according to it's whatever, it's whatever the board wants to do. I, again, my only concern is a statement from the people that install it that may not be in business that's in right. seven mm -hmm. years that's right. uh, that they're going to remove it or remove debris from the installation. I, I, mm -hmm. they, I, think, I think they're going to need to furnish us a ground mounted, mm -hmm. some kind of insurance that if he sells a property, he's going to leave it 
-hmm. and the new property owner doesn't want it or something. I mean, maybe doesn't sell the property, maybe it becomes a bad, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit of concern there. Yeah. Not necessarily <clears throat> through all the, the fish and wildlife yeah, and changes wildlife. and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. maybe there ought to be some kind of assurance from the owner himself, because right. mm -hmm. it, it really calls for, on a, on a ground mounted, for him to reassure that every seven years as long as it's in an existence. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mr. Chairman, let's, let's, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, um, and I, <clears throat> I understand that, Joey, and I, I was listening to what Jeff said, and I, I know this is probably as far as the east is from the west, but you know, the people get a, a dish for direct TV, and they're mounted on the house, and you know, they sell it, and the, the dish stays there. Now, I know this is totally different from the from the solar, but I, I see what you were saying is that, um, you know, when when they sell the property that'll be there. And I guess if the person that buys that, if he wants to have that kind of power source, he would. And if he didn't, I guess he would he would be responsible for dismantling and getting rid of it, wouldn't he? That's right. But I, I, I do agree with uh, with Joey's suggestion that the uh, the affidavit ought to be from the owner and not from the, the installer, because that, that installer is going to get a check and they're going to be gone. The, yeah. mm -hmm. the owner is the one who is ultimately going to be responsible for it. Yeah, I, my daughter bought a house with one of those direct TV things on there, and I couldn't take it down, but I did get a baseball bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think the only the only other concern, and I, I follow the TV stuff, is that because of the hazardous mm -hmm. material. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the reason it was a requirement. Yeah, right. But I, I was just trying to equate that. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So the HIPAA help, help commission don't either we can approve it with the recommendation that we get the statement from the homeowner. Or demolition, or we can just table it and let them come back. Or, or do it do it as an additional condition that we obtain the necessary documents from the homeowner, so we don't hold it up, mm -hmm. and then we can just get those others pulled in. And, and again, I don't, I don't, I agree with Jeff totally. I mean, I, you know, fish and wildlife studies and all that, mm -hmm. I don't think are necessary in this case. Right. Just the additional That's assurances that it's gonna, that he's got the liability and he's got a plan for, mm -hmm. for taking it down. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, are you the petitioner? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm a, I'm a yeah. um, the homeowner wasn't aware that he needed to be here. Uh, I did speak with him. He is on standby. If you want, had any questions you wanted to ask him, I could call him on the phone. He's on standby too. I don't think we have any questions for him specifically. It's just about the, the paperwork that, that the ordinance requires. So I'm thinking, I'm glad you. Yeah, he's one of my coworkers. So he just, I wanted to make sure he was aware of what was going on. I wasn't sure if that was his property or yeah. not, but. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. I don't think there's any, any questions for him. He'll hear back from LCPC. Yeah, thank you so far for offering that. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Good looking out. All right, Commissioner Jones, are you? Uh, Mr. Chairman, um, I wanted to ask Mr. Brown um, the conversation on the decommissioning plan. Uh, is that not satisfactory as far as moving forward with uh, approving this uh, request? I think what's being discussed the LC, LCPC, and then also just having part of those conditions, uh, the required paperwork for uh, assuring decommissioning of the site from the property owner. And I think it would be, I think it would be an affidavit I think that he, I think he's going to have to carry some liability insurance anyway on his property for having that solder in his backyard. But, but I think those would suffice. So I, my, again, my recommendation is not to hold it up. If we could just make that part of the conditions that he furnished the other necessary paperwork that 
that you could go in to prove it. And um, if we did move forward um, and the paperwork that we are wanting the owner to submit is not satisfactory. We'd bring it back. But I think the goal here is to make it satisfactory <laughs> and, and get him to be able to function out there. So uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't be in favor of, mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. we'll do all we can to get it satisfactory, mm -hmm. to work with him to make sure if he's If it's not satisfactory, they won't bring it back. Right, right. We won't, we won't do that. We'll bring it back to you guys. Mm -hmm. If for some reason the minimum can't be met. Right. right. Okay. <clears throat> Mr. Chairman, I'd uh, like to make a motion that we move forward and uh, with approval of the conditional use request. Mm -hmm. Um, as submitted by the LCPC for um, the property owner, Mr. John Mahoney. Mm -hmm. with, with the addition of the paperwork. The, the, the assurance of the decommissioning. Yes. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Is that second? Second. Motion is second. We approve LCPC recommendation with the additional recommendation made by Commissioner Jones. Uh, by staff. You all will just follow through on that for sure. If there's any reason it doesn't work, then just bring it back to us. All right. Everybody clear? All in favor, raise your right hand. Those opposed? Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you all. Thank you. All good night. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. Mr. Brandon Clark is here. Yes, sir. Oh, Mary. That time of year. Mary. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Great to see all of you. Good to see you. Very happy to be here. Uh, thank you. Um, I guess I'll start by kind of summarizing what the last year has been for us, obviously. Uh, with the shutdown, some of the major changes, of course, for the criminal justice system was there were no jury trials, obviously, um, no grand juries. Uh, and other due process rights were suspended as part of the shutdown measures. Um, the main one that really caused me initial concern was Typically, there's a right to bond after 90 days on an unindicted case, and that was suspended as part of the, uh, the COVID measures. Um, I think to our credit, uh, we by and large operated as though it was still there. Uh, we didn't have trouble getting bonds for people. Uh, the process took longer. It wasn't in person. It was virtual. Um, you know, there's a lot more minutiae to getting a hearing held, uh, but everything still pretty much went uh, just a little slower, and everyone still got bonds at approximately the same rate. Uh, to our credit, so I was very happy to see that uh, a lot of the harm that could have, that was, you know, feared by people in my profession really didn't materialize uh, with respect to bond and people just sitting in jail while nothing was happening. Good. Um, Good. There were still some changes. Uh, some jails prefer that we visit with the clients virtually. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that. The virtual visits, the phone visits, all of that. For some reason, it seems like a, uh, you know, the telephone, the virtual visits last about 10 or 15 minutes compared to, you know, 30 to 45 minutes when you sit down in the same room and talk to a person. So I do feel like uh, we lose something when we do it that way. Uh, it's likely an appropriate measure, depending on the time and place for right now. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, you know, in-person visits with clients all the time again, uh, as soon as we can have those. Uh, here in Liberty County, uh, it's been in-person almost all the time. Uh, depending on what's going on, sometimes uh, non-contact, uh, but we've had great access to our clients. Uh, here in Liberty County. Good. Um, Good. Fantastic. Um, let's see. To the extent that we can, um, I guess the first few months all we did were like bond hearings, and then as things slowly started to open, and we, we did more and more uh, aspects of the justice system. Um, we've tried to resolve all the cases that could be fairly resolved. 
uh, but without the jury trial, that's kind of the driving force behind the whole uh, criminal justice system. So when it's not there, you know, you don't really have the inch and the train's just kind of moving on whatever steam it had. Uh, but the whole driving force isn't there and it's very difficult to get cases resolved. Um, so it, ha it has slowed down, but effort has been made to do what we could to not have a very large backlog. Um, and more or less success depending on the county and, and everyone involved um, circuit-wide. Uh, let's see. Good news is, here in Liberty County, I think we anticipate jury trials this summer. I'm very excited about it. Obviously, mm -hmm. in my profession, when you see a jury trial go away, you're just terrified that it won't come <laughs> back, quite frankly, because that, that's really the thing that keeps our justice system moving. It makes it uh, the best one on the planet is the jury trial. A lot of people don't have that, and it's fantastic that here we get you know, 12 regular people come in and make these decisions. Um, so here in the summertime in Liberty County, we anticipate having them. Uh, other circuits that have started back, um, all kind of pretty favorable. There are measures in place to you know, ensure protection, safety of everyone involved. Uh, but thus far, I haven't heard from any other chief public defenders that they thought the um, you know, integrity of the system was really compromised by any of those measures. Nobody thought their trial was unfair because of some COVID uh, measures. So mm -hmm. that's good news. Um, and so here in Liberty County this summer, potentially uh, Long County, I think I'm scheduled for jury selection next week. Um, I'm, I'm real happy to see all mm -hmm. of this uh, come back. Uh, come back. I'm very excited about that. Um, I guess turning to the budget proposal we have. The, the numbers are kind of listed out the same and typically uh, to kind of gauge um, uh, budget and kind of where we are with everything, we kind of look at the incoming cases. I, I note in the budget proposal, I don't think that's all that great of a measure right here right now because so few cases moved. Uh, typically you would, uh, you know, close about as many cases as you open. And here we close, we close so few, uh, a lot fewer cases than we took in. That metric is, is less applicable this year, although hopefully we'll be <coughs> uh, soon. Um, there is a, a budget increase requested. The total amount circuit-wide is 143,000. Uh, the main things we intend to do with that, it would fund one new full-time entry-level attorney that would be based here in Liberty County. Uh, it's funds to contract out a state court in Evans County, so my superior court attorney there can focus in on the Tattnall County Superior Court as we open up. And then there's funds to uh, contract out the state court in Long County, uh, and that also allows me to free up a full-time person um, to focus on jury trials <laughs> as we get going. The largest caseload increases were in uh, Liberty and Tattnall County. Uh, they had the largest caseloads going into the shutdown, um, so that, that was to be expected. Um, but we do have um, a good number of jury trials that I think didn't happen. And so I anticipate this next year or two to be extremely busy, uh, particularly in those two counties. Um, the, uh, the standing caseload is a good bit higher. I, I think this last year we took in uh, approximately 400 cases. I think the, the number is in here. And we only closed about half that many. And so even with the additional jury trials, since we didn't have any for the last year, um, with the larger standing caseload, as the cases come up and work through the system with the potential of a jury trial, it's still larger calendars, uh, more people on each calendar um, that we have to be prepared for and work through the system. So the jury trial is not the only place where the additional time is. Uh, it's the whole thing. So when you have a calendar that has you know, 40 clients this next time, your calendar might have 60 clients that you've got to be ready on all at the same time. And those numbers just get very large and, um, and it can be hard to manage that. 
So I'm trying to get you know one new additional lawyer here in Liberty County, and then if we can contract out those others, it brings me more time without having to add an entire <coughs> uh, full-time attorney to it. You can do it with contract work. That's uh, cost savings there. Um, I did put a chart if y'all wanted to see how the caseload increased year to year. I went back several years. It's the last page of the budget proposal. That, that just tracks it out. I don't know if yours is in color. You're at the top of the mm -hmm. line. And then Tattnall is the orange line. The last dot on the right would be Tattnall, the most recent case numbers, as far as what was open on April 15th of each year. And then I always like to, when I'm here, thank you for the Justice Center and having our office in it. Uh, it is fantastic. We still love it there uh, every day. Um, I think the clients, you know, appreciate it as well. Uh, also, there was a cost savings associated with that. It was a shift of approximately $40,000 in expenses from Liberty County to the other five counties, and that's a cost savings you realize every year. So. Everything I have planned, I'm happy to answer any questions. Hopefully mm -hmm. that. So the, the, um, the, the new attorney that would be shared across the, across the district Primary caseload would be here in Liberty County right. for the new new attorney. The new person. We all go where we need to go if we have to, but I, ninety percent of that's going to be here in Liberty mm -hmm. County. Okay. Add one thing in there that I think, um, you know, Kim, help me if if I'm wrong or Brandon, but by implementing that attorney uh, into the overall circuit budget and contracting out the other two positions, the total cost, if we just bared that cost alone of that attorney cost us more I think I think actually our <coughs> increase will be somewhere around $82,000 compared to the full cost of one attorney so that whole mix he mentioned mm -hmm. going into that budget putting mm -hmm. in and taking out uh, that that increase that we're looking at is about $82,000 from you will be our part it would be our part based on case mm -hmm. as you all know he comes before you every year a little mm -hmm. early uh, for approval because this uh, has to go ahead and be sent to the state of Georgia and then we have to execute that contract uh, in the June time frame <clears throat> which is before the other budget has to be approved so so um, help me understand this you're asking for the new attorney but are you paying any type of contract labor now for one as needed or it don't work that way <laughs> yes no absolutely no we have uh, several things contracted out right now um, for different reasons. For a number of years, I've contracted out the appellate work uh, here in the circuit, and that's working really well. We have um, juvenile court contracted out right now. Uh, that's working out very well, although typically I would prefer that uh, to be a full-time staff member, frankly. Mm -hmm. But the person juvenile I have doing... court? Yes, ma'am. The one Mr. Darden? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And then that's I have um, some work in Long County being done by contract right now. As well on a on a temporary basis, I, I can't. I'm not going to keep it that way unless I can mm -hmm. additional funding for it. Um, okay. I have Evans County Superior Court. I think that's right. everything that's not done by full time staff right this second. It, it, I always it's kind of a wake of a call, but I guess it's just is what it is. Our case is based on population, Liberty County population is so much 
Yeah, it typically tracks population fairly well. The place, I didn't look at it this year, uh, the place that switches is Tattnall County, I think is our third populous county in the circuit, mm -hmm. and it typically has the second highest caseload. Yeah. Um, but they have uh, three prisons there, and approximately mm -hmm. half of their caseload is people trying to sneak in drugs to the prison. Um, so they have a, yeah. I mean, Learning some more. <laughs> then they do, you know, anytime someone in the prison is charged. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> one, one day I may ask y'all for money so I can put some billboards up and tell people to run out and go home. Um, I mean, they're almost all from the metro Atlanta area. Um, really? Yeah, and, and it's been a while since I've, I've worked that caseload myself, but the last time I did it, uh, the vast majority of them had no criminal history. You know, it's like the first thing they've done, somebody convinces them they somebody need to you know, them, yeah. wrap up yeah. a bunch of drugs or tobacco mm -hmm. and drive down to the prison, try and throw it over the fence. Or, um, and they're, you know, they're very adept at catching people. It's been going on a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, you know, mm -hmm. The government takes that real seriously, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. okay. so people mm -hmm. are surprised when they don't. All right. So that, that, uh, that accounts for the Tatler County growth. Yeah. yeah. What, Liberty County, what, what, what's, what's going on here that you see? Trends. Um, I really don't know. Over the last few years, you know, the caseload had been creeping up even before COVID. Um, but I, I really don't know. Um, you know, a lot of factors go into that. I don't know if our population increased substantially or. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know. I hesitate to speculate on that. Yeah. Frankly, <laughs> it may be the um, age group. Maybe you know the younger population that we have. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure that's a factor too. As well as we're much more transit than some of the other kind. You know, Correct. Yeah. All right, sir. Um, so, Mr. Brown, we need to take action. We do, sir. All right. And, and I'm reminded he does come early every year because of his uh, budgetary constraints from state. So, all right. And our 83,000. I think I think probably the motion is heard just be to approve the public defender budget. Approved okay. the liberty portion because it's, okay. it's all right. To include that uh, additional attorney, is that it would it? include that additional. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, mm -hmm. I would make that motion, okay. Mr. Chairman. All right, second to that motion, please, somebody. Second. Motion second. We approve the request from uh, public defenders director, Mr. Clark. Good to see you again. You're always you. very thorough with your presentation. We appreciate that. Yes, sir. Uh, Sometime I wish you could bring us good news. <laughs> Start sending up some good news. Yeah. There's good stories. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll bring well, some next year. That's right. <laughs> you're right. There's some good stories in there somewhere. Yes. Any further questions for this gentleman? All in favor, raise your right hand, please. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Ooh, good mm -hmm. to see you again, sir. Yeah, bring some good stories for us next time. Right. Enterprise Fleet Program, Mr. Whiteside. Mr. Whiteside's coming. So <clears throat> about three years ago, uh, at that time, Chief Deputy uh, Long, John Long, came to us and introduced a proposal or showed us a program that Enterprise Fleet Rental had that related to law enforcement vehicles uh, with a lot of counties struggling, as we've seen today, in budget stuff uh, yeah. to keep vehicles current. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Major Bill Kirkendall. Uh, met with us, I guess it's been probably a month ago now, a month or two ago, and started talking to us about the law enforcement package. <clears throat> we then asked uh, Mr. Whiteside to go ahead and, and, and roll a package for the whole county when he explained to us that really the bigger savings and bigger advantages are to the rest of the fleet of the county. So what you're going to see tonight is a very good proposal that we've looked through, staffed it, um, 
and I worked back and forth on vehicles um, from an enterprise fleet rental program that they have. And I'm not going to take away from your presentation. I was going to tell what I know about it, but go ahead. No, that's perfect. Um, well, thank you all for uh, giving me the opportunity to present our program. Um, I'm Chris Whiteside, so I work with Enterprise Fleet Management. Um, we partner with government entities to help with related expenses. So ultimately, the goal is to lower the total cost of ownership. Um, I've got a couple quick slides, about 10, that I'll run through. I promise I'll keep it brief. But um, a quick overview of y'all's current fleet, um, a, a look at the effective vehicle life cycle. Um, we're going to look at a cost comparison and then some additional resources that Enterprise as a fleet management company provides. Um, so quick overview of Enterprise Holdings. Um, so Enterprise Fleet Management is a division of Enterprise Holdings, which includes Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Enterprise Truck Rental, National Alamo, all the different brands you're familiar with. Um, we are the long-term leasing or long-term funding arm that um, essentially does fleet management for government entities and commercial clients. Um, the main reason I put this up here is Enterprise as a company manages about 2 million vehicles worldwide. So on an annual basis, they purchase you know, somewhere around 800,000 vehicles, so one of the largest auto buyers out there. When you partner with us on the fleet management side, you're able to take advantage of those economies of scale and the resources that we have to run our fleet, um, and it can, it can be really beneficial. Enterprise is also a privately held company um, and you know, definitely has a presence here in the county and the, um, this area. So a few of our local partners, um, on the left-hand side, and we're really the majority of these are Georgia, um, Bartow County, Camden County, Cherokee County, Effingham County, just down the road. Um, we work with Pembroke, St. Mary's, uh, Tybee, Waycross. Um, there's a several South Carolina counties listed on there that are pretty similar in size from a fleet standpoint that I've partnered with as well. Um, just looking at it from a government standpoint, Enterprise partners with about 1,900 government entities across the country and manages or leases about 46,000 vehicles to those entities. So about 1,100 of the government entities we partner with are cities and counties very similar to Liberty County. Um, this is an overview of Liberty County's fleet. So this is combined. This is going to include the sheriff's vehicles and the county vehicles. So there's about 165 vehicles in fleet. The average age is about nine years old. Average annual miles is roughly 13,700. On average, if you look at the historical trends, Liberty County buys about 11.4 vehicles per year. So the average model year of the fleet is about a 2012. And then based on purchasing 11.4 vehicles per year, that puts you in an average holding time of about 14.6 years. So if you divide the 165 vehicles in fleet by 11.4 per year, you're gonna see your holding vehicles roughly 14 years. Um, one of the key, some of the key observations on the bottom right-hand side that really stick out is about 50% of the fleet is over 100,000 miles or has over 100,000 miles on it. About 25% has over 150,000 miles. Um, and about 38% of the fleet is 10 years or older. Um, average current maintenance cost is roughly $100, $102 per vehicle. And then there's always an opportunity um, when enterprise comes in, we not only look at you know, when the right time to cycle out of vehicles are and uh, the age of your fleet and things like that. We also look and see if there's underutilized vehicles potentially or the ability to downsize or, or reduce some vehicles that maybe we could use a pool vehicle for or something like that. So there are um, about 10 vehicles that average less than 5,000 annual miles that, that may make sense to evaluate. Um, 
this is really the three main buckets that make up fleet management. The depreciation portion, that's really the loss of value. So if you think about what you purchase a vehicle for versus what it sells for, it's really what that cost is in between. Um, your operating <coughs> costs are going to be the fuel and maintenance piece. So those are the three largest costs associated with owning a fleet of vehicles. Um, what Enterprise does is we really evaluate when the right time to cycle out of vehicles are. So when is the ideal time to sell a vehicle before your maintenance costs start to creep up, your fuel economy starts to go down, um, and your resale value starts to go down. So we really look at where that optimum point is. That line there shows, you know, roughly 10 years. Right now, county's on roughly a 14.6-year cycle, um, which would be just to the right of that line. So very common for government entities. But... Um, there's a couple different ways to shift from that, uh, that current structure. So if you look, um, this is a brief, uh, you know, quick snapshot of a 2021 GMC 1500 4x2 crew cab truck. So your basic 4x2 crew cab truck like the county has. Um, one of the things governments do is they buy vehicles really well. They buy as well as Enterprise, maybe even better. Um, so that truck would be, you know, MSRP or sticker price is probably around 36900 A regular, um, call it like a construction company or a commercial client that comes in probably could buy that vehicle for around $30,000 with incentives and things like that. Now, on the government side, you're able to buy that vehicle for about $25,000. So that's what a government price would look like on that vehicle. So you're already buying vehicles below the market value. Um, with huge incentives, but what we find is government entities don't typically get out of vehicles at the right point. Um, they run vehicles for a very long time, and they, you know, a lot of times they don't have a lot of value at the end of life. So what we do is we look for how can we optimize your cycle and find the right time to cycle out of vehicles. Um, so you can see the, the little chart at the bottom there shows, you know, after 12 months in service with about 12,000 miles, the market value for that truck is about $29,000. So Essentially, it's worth more than you paid for it after about 12 months. There's a lot of government entities that are turning around and selling vehicles after one year and making proceeds off of it. If you could buy them and sell them the first day, we'd tell you to do that, but they do require you hold them for six to 12 months. That's what the manufacturers require. Um, but that's the same model that Enterprise uses. You know, If you're familiar with going to get a rental vehicle, it's usually one, maybe two years old, 20 to 40,000 miles on it. Um, it's that same philosophy as you buy really low, you sell at the peak of the market, and when you do that, you cut out a lot of your operating expenses. So you're not going to have high maintenance costs and high fuel costs because now you're just doing a couple oil changes, maybe tires, uh, but you're cutting out those large transmission repairs and that non-contract maintenance that, that, um, that can be a concern. Um, so we put together two different financial models. This first model is for just the county vehicles. Um, you know, the most important box on here is over on the kind of far right-hand side in yellow. I know it's hard to see from there, but it's uh, over a 10-year period, we project about a $1.3 million budget savings by shifting to a program with Enterprise. So we're going to recommend shortening your life cycle on the county vehicles from just over 17 years down to under five years. Um, if you look at it from an average annual cost standpoint, if we factor in the lease cost plus the um, resale, you're looking at an average annual cost of around $67,000. Today, y'all are spending on average about $134,000 um, on purchases. So you're gonna have a savings there from a purchase standpoint. You're also gonna realize savings from the maintenance and the fuel side with newer, more efficient vehicles. Um, 
So a lot of positives there. Um, as we shift to the sheriff vehicles, so there's roughly 75 vehicles in their fleet. Their cycle point is about 10 years, so it's a little bit better than the county fleet, but um, definitely you know, still a concern, especially with emergency response vehicles and the, um, the wear and tear and the idle time and other factors that go into their vehicles. Um, over a 10-year period, we expect a savings of around $548,000 from a budget standpoint, so definitely still some savings there. Um, the average annual lease cost, when we factor in the lease cost and the proceeds from the sale of vehicles, is roughly $307,000, so slightly higher than what y'all are projected to be spending today. On average, for the sheriff um, vehicles, you're buying about $7.8 per year on average and spending around $282,000. Um, so it's slightly higher, but what it does and what this, you know, what that number doesn't account for is obviously your savings from the maintenance and fuel side. We know there's going to be significant savings from shifting from a almost 10 year cycle to a five year cycle. Um, again, the fuel piece, um, and there's really four main factors that kind of, I guess you would say go against, uh, law enforcement vehicles. Uh, first of all, they have equipment in them. So they've got aftermarket equipment included in that. So your lights, cameras, things like that. They've got high idle time. Um, they're usually driven in much harsher conditions. And then there's not as strong of a resale market for those. So this is basically replacing vehicle for vehicle. So chargers for chargers, that sort of thing. So your, your standard law enforcement government vehicles. Um, again, some of those other additional benefits, reducing the downtime. So more efficient vehicles on a healthy cycle. So you're not going to have vehicles sitting in the shop as much because it's going to be more minor repairs. You have oil changes, uh, different service. Um, improving the county image and recruiting by reducing the age of the fleet. So we've seen huge increases from a recruiting standpoint with other um, government entities that we partner with by having newer, more efficient vehicles in fleet. You know, not just the law enforcement side, but a lot of the other um, employees of the county spend all day in their vehicles. And if they can have newer, more efficient vehicles, it can increase morale and, and the recruiting standpoint. Um, the one that's very hard to quantify is the safety and the risk. Um, Newer vehicles are obviously much safer and much more, um, it's going to reduce your risk drastically. So about 37 vehicles that are in the county predate the anti-lock brake standardization. So about 37 vehicles over 2007 or older. Um, 63 vehicles are 2012 or older. So um, electronic stability control was standardized in 2012. So some of these vehicles could have it, but the majority of them probably don't. Um, and then over 120 or 123 of the vehicles predate the standardization of backup cameras. So, you know, one of the highest uh, volume accidents we see are backing up or re rear accidents and things like that. So with backup cameras, we kind of take them for granted nowadays because they're on all newer vehicles. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the vehicles you have may not have that. They may not have Bluetooth. Um, so some of the different things there. We do offer tracking and telematics on vehicles. If y'all wanted that, it is an additional option that we offer that can track safety. So if we wanted to look at seatbelt usage, uh, speeding, harsh braking, things like that, there are some options for that. Um, and then the other benefit is the open-end equity lease, which is what Enterprise offers, uh, provides you ownership in the vehicle. So you own the equity and you own the value that's in the vehicle. There's no mileage penalties, no wear and tear. Um, so, you know, you hear a lot of people hear that term lease and they think about a dealership style lease, like uh, you go to the car dealership, you go over 12,000 miles, they're going to charge you per mile, they're going to charge you if you got a scratch or a dent or anything like that on it. Um, ours are no mileage penalties, no wear and tear, so you don't have that. That's not a factor. It's really more like a finance 
Um, so as if you were going to finance a vehicle, it's really more like that, like a lease purchase is, is a common term in the government space. Um, and then lastly, any vehicle that's under our program can be tracked through our website. So we provide an account manager, uh, really a client strategy manager is what their title is. They come and meet with the county three to four times per year to make sure that we're monitoring your cost. We're making sure that vehicles are, are being tracked and replacing vehicles at the right time. <coughs> we're always going to make sure we're staying on track from a budget standpoint and a cost standpoint and here to kind of provide you with those analytics. I'm based out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and I cover South Carolina, Eastern Georgia. Our team has about 14 people on it that all would serve as resources for the county um, spread across the state. And then we also have um, obviously a huge operation in St. Louis where Enterprise's national headquarters is. It serves as a, a support team as well. So from a, you know, everything you can think of when it comes to delivering a vehicle from coordinating the delivery, coordinating the tag title upfit, anything like that is all handled through Enterprise. Um, so I know that's a lot of information to throw at you. Um, but uh, you know, ultimately the goal is to provide a safer, more efficient fleet for the county um, you know, while creating some savings. Um, a lot of the different counties have partnered with us and found it to be a really beneficial program. Um, so I, I definitely welcome any questions or feedback or any um, additional concerns. Chairman, I had a question. Yes, uh, two questions was the Let's just say, for instance, like we're in budget right now, and some departments may come up and want a truck, but then the next one will say escape, and the next one may say a fusion. Yes, ma'am. Do you, do you determine uh, what you would recommend for that department to have? or Yes. Do you all kind of get involved with that a little bit? Because obviously the fusion is probably the more or lesser one if it's just to run around the county with. So it like. is. Um, one of the things Enterprise does is we, we obviously watch the market very well. So the sedans are kind of being phased out, mm -hmm. um, which I, they, don't, they do not make a Fusion anymore. So the mm -hmm. most comparable vehicle would be like a Malibu or something like mm -hmm. that. But that standard sedan, a lot of times what we would recommend from a total cost of ownership standpoint would be to look at potentially a small SUV that's going to be similar in cost or a... You know, if a pickup truck is an option, while I know that seems like a bigger vehicle mm -hmm. from a resale standpoint, uh, being in Georgia, you can imagine pickup trucks sell really well. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, anywhere in the South, uh, pickup trucks sell really well. So there's, and, and the government buy is phenomenal on them. So uh, okay. we always look at what do you need? We're mm -hmm. going to give recommendations of the lowest total cost. We're going to factor in maintenance, fuel, all those different factors and say, hey, here's the information, you know, what makes the most sense. Okay. The other question I had maybe for um, Mr. Brown is if we go this route, would we see the contract with the first, is it first service going right. down? Yes, so can you go back to one yep. of those example slides for a second? So, so we would, a couple of things we've looked at as staff that also looked at some of the counties at was uh, they do offer an outsourced uh, maintenance program basically but to answer your question our proposal from the staff would be leave it in-house and and yes so so the stuff that's out of contract that we're paying for now uh would go away basically there wouldn't be any any out of out of contract items additionally i think that because those vehicles are in better shape you're going to reduce downtime on any vehicle so your fleet's going to be out there working for you versus constantly in and out of the shop, right. walking down the shop. Mm -hmm. This this lease will only cover 
uh, road type vehicle. So your emergency response vehicles, be it ambulances, be it heavy trucks, won't be in there. We'll free up the time. They're they're diesel. They're more complicated. You know mm -hmm. uh, what time it takes to work on those vehicles. So you know I, I think the efficiency in the shop will be better too. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to tell you something else. We looked at a staff, and it was really three columns. <coughs> so we look at obviously what the rate is we've been buying. But we also look at, and this is what he was talking about, the equity of the owned and the resale. So we come in, this would be our lease amount for, for a 12-month period, and I'm careful not to say from July 1st to June 30th, because as these things cycle in and come in and out, they may come in as they're available during the year. So, so, so a 12-month period cost, selling some of the vehicles that have been identified in the first year, in this example, whichever one it is, and we're getting, we're getting equity leased then buy-in. So at the end of a 12-month cycle, our actual cash out will be this amount, mm. less this amount, less this amount for the total vehicle achievement. So, so as he talks about it, we've been through all the vehicles in both divisions or countywide, and we basically said, look, coming in, what makes the most sense in the market value right now? And so every, every time before we roll into that 12-month cycle, we're going to relook at what's proposed to be bought during that year what the value is on those vehicles and what makes the most sense so that when we go back in the equity leased, then basically it, you know, we've got a better value in those leased vehicles because they're going to turn around and sell them at a higher market rate. And the other thing that's important to say in the lease too is this, is that as we look at what the value of those vehicles are going to be when they're sold on the market, they're listed in these examples at a fair to poor condition. They're assuming a, a road hardened, put up wet, if you will, like the old horse term, uh, that they are going to be in public service use. And so, you know, looking for a scratch on them, looking for whatever, when they go out there to book value these equity lease at the end and, and put, them on the, put them on the market, they're looking at the ADA book um, of, of, of poor to fair condition. They may be better than that. They may bring more. So the other, the other thing I think is important is the, the models that you're seeing, uh, especially on the law enforcement side of the cost that's projected in these years, do count for a fully equipped vehicle. Okay, so it's not just a cost of the car, and oh, by the way, then we got to have a budget over here to, out, to equip that car uh, with the equipment it needs. That price includes that. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at a model there. Mm -hmm. on, this is the county, actually, if we flip to the law enforcement side, and the difference you know is this, the county counts on budgeting its equipment in-house, which is what you've been going through. The law enforcement vehicle, as you know, we've been buying through Splosh. And so, and so what you're seeing that we've been purchasing primarily is what Splosh has bought. There's been some infusion of general fund money in there over time. But so the thought process here, you continue with your Splosh funding to get these numbers that you need. And if you look, your heavy hit, look at these categories, your heavy hit starts in 26, and that's when mm -hmm. you have not as much equity owned in here. So your difference is going to be this number less this number over a 12-month cycle. That gives us time to go ahead as we grow into the next splash cycle and increase the dollar value that we need to get in here. But oh, by the way, even if we were buying these vehicles, and we said that the other day, the cost of those vehicles we're buying in splash are increasing at I don't know, let's call it 5% at a modest five mm. to 8%. And so that number now, when it's down here, wouldn't need to be close to what that number is anyway. 
if we're trying to factor in an inflation rate coming into the next block cycle, what we need to buy the same number of vehicles. So those are just some of the things we analyzed as staff, and we beat Chris up pretty good. Uh, asked the same question four times to make sure he was consistent with his answer. Um, insurance would be handled the same way. We would insure the vehicles. Mm -hmm. that same capacity I've talked about our current insurance carrier and in fact Seville works with several of those cities and counties uh, carrying the insurance for them in this week program so um, but just wanted to just want to make it hey Mr. Chairman yes sir Joey let's say you don't know, like a fleet um, you know, cars or SUVs um, and, and I've heard I don't know how true it is I don't follow um cars and you know th that much but um i heard that ford doesn't make the only car they make these days is the mustang and everything else is the suv so let's say if we was to um were to go with with this and we wanted um a car you know say you and mr mosley wanted a sedan but the only car that Ford has is the Mustang. I don't mostly want to be riding around town. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably will, but but I don't know if we if we would want him to do that. So so we but we we wouldn't say well you know let's let's get some Fords, let's get some GMs. We would go with one. Now now GM still makes the car, I guess. Well, no, we would. I, I think that's we would. Interrupt, but I think that's what he, the perfect example he was given. And using that same example, if it came up in any one of these years in 22 that administration was due a vehicle, he's going to reach out before we do the purchase of that year and say, all right, here are the ones that are coming up this year. What is it you have the need for? What's the functionality in the department? Let me see what the market value on that type of vehicle is. And it may be a GMC because that's bringing the higher rate at the end of that that 12 month mm. period or 24 month period in a book value. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to be able to get whatever vehicle it is that's going to bring back the most money. To mm -hmm. oh, so so we could have a, oh, you could have a, a mixed fleet. A mix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'll probably be much more mixed than it is today because if you look back at one of those slides, I think it was almost probably 90% Ford. Ford. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is yeah. pretty much dominated. Well, and, I, and I, I was thinking um, for the, for the, um, the mechanics, you know, stocking the, the parts, but you know, I mean, I've got a uh, air filter for a Ford and one for a Chevrolet, one for a Dodge Ram or whatever. I guess it, you just have to, you just have to do it. Yeah. Is the standardization does yeah. help with some of that, but I wish we were more standard than we were even in the Ford mix. Mm -hmm. and, and really, in the patrol cars or whatever it is, most of them aren't Fords or they're Chargers. One year to the next, they change stuff on them. Yeah. You basically, the same filter is not going to work from year to year anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's they don't carry a large stock at the shop. Okay. Okay. Mr. Chairman, I have one mm -hmm. more question. Sure. Um, do you like negotiate locally with our dealers to purchase those to lease those vehicles, or is that something? Where do those vehicles come from? Yeah, so we um, so we reach out directly to the main. So each year before we come back to you, or whenever there's a request for a vehicle, we reach out to the manufacturer. So we'll reach out to Chrysler, Ford, um, uh, Chrysler, Ford, Chevy, GM, yeah. uh, <laughs> even Nissan, Hyundai, Toyota, all the different manufacturers, and we get government incentives, um, mm -hmm. so government pricing, and we're going to put that together in a model and show you, hey, here's all the different Ford options, here's all the different uh, Chevy options. 
here's what they cost on a cents per mile basis to help y'all make the best decision. And then we would typically order direct from the manufacturer and have them shipped through a local dealer. Um, if there's a local dealer in the county that is a, a ship through dealer, we would, for example, if it's a Ford, we may have it shipped through a, a local dealer or a, a Chrysler or Chevy. Okay. Um, once it arrives at the dealership, they do the pre-delivery inspection. If it needed to be upfit or anything like that, we would take it and get that process done. If it was ready to go, we would just bring it over to the county. But, okay. but yeah, we work directly with the manufacturers. We're going to give you the options. The, the decisions are ultimately the counties. That's, that's really the beauty of it is we're going to say, hey, here's the different truck options. Here's the different sedan options. Here's what we recommend. But it's, it's ultimately your decision, obviously. Okay. And what's, what's that out in, in case we run into a lemon? So <laughs> very similar to uh, your process today. Unfortunately, that does happen from time to time. But um, Enterprise, you know, being one of the largest or the largest auto buyer in the country, we do have some, some we have a national service department that is a team that works with our customers to help um, navigate those, those types of, of things. And hopefully... It's few and far between, but uh, mm -hmm. but when it does happen, you know, the good thing is the majority of these vehicles will remain under warranty. You'll be cycling out of them while they're still under warranty. Um, so hopefully we can eliminate those issues from happening. But uh, but we do work with you, and we, you know, they're graded off of um, our national service team is graded off of how they can generate savings, any goodwill assistance from the manufacturer, which would be you know, if a vehicle's slightly over warranty and, and we're able to capture, you know, monies from the, from mm -hmm. the manufacturers, so different things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Information for you tonight, just as we look in the budget process and see what options are, and this is this, you know, basically from our standpoint, it looks like an option okay. based on the cost, and yeah. based on, you know, we, we've been trying to climb out of the hole with uh well you heard it today oh yeah everything that was going on yeah as, as you know oh, yeah there's a lot of and try, trying to directly fund that way out straight is probably not going to happen yeah uh, it would take something you know like, like this. this to get your fleet more standardized and bring down your cost overall okay all right i, I just got you. one question um go back to the uh no, you don't really have to go back. You probably can answer, answer it straight off on, on your sheriff cars. Yes, sir. They have to have a cage put in it, right? What about the process of putting that cage in and when they, when you come, when they get ready to turn it back in, what happens to the value of that, partic that particular car? So, um, so the way it works is we would work with, um, with the county and the, and the sheriffs office sheriff's team to equip the vehicles the way they would like so we've gotten this includes estimates for their upfit so about the average cost of upfitting one of their vehicles so those costs are factored into the the lease cost at the end of the lease term there is the option if they're able to transfer any equipment over or if they're able to you know and that's one of the benefits to shortening the life cycle of these vehicles mm -hmm. they're cycling out of a patrol vehicle in four to five years, there may be an opportunity to move some of that equipment over because maybe body change model or maybe models haven't changed or the body styles haven't changed. So that's something that they probably haven't been able to do in the past that they may be able to do. Um, but the vehicle is, we assign no value to that equipment on the resale or secondary market. It doesn't really bring any value. 
Um, usually it's stripped out of it before it's sold anyway. So, but I think I think the point my point is, do you have to do any drilling to put the cage in? Typically, yes. Sir. And that's what I'm talking about, the value of it. It accounts for that, absolutely. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Now, go back to your, go back to your screen one. Back up. I want to make sure what I saw. Okay, right there. Yes, Mr. Brown, what is that right there? <laughs> That's probably a truck that needs help. That's a General Motors truck. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> it's new, as long as you get rid of them in about right. you know, 24 months. <laughs> I'll say the numbers play true with Ford as well. So. <laughs> okay. We, we see a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Fords, we know. We understand. <laughs> All right. All right, thank you, sir. All right, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get something on you. Yeah, I expect that from Commissioner Walden. But. I was going to say, that's Walden's truck. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Uh, Mid-Coast Hangar Proposals. Yes, Mr. Chairman, you, you might remember, uh, in fact, we talked about this the last meeting, this will be coming back to you, but we took yeah. proposals on hangars uh, actually the end of last year and ran into some problems getting the contract executed on the state side. Uh, so we ended up having to go back out again. We entertained proposals. Uh, we received proposals from two firms. I put a little memo in there. Um, same one that I sent to the City Council and Development Authority. They're partners at the airport. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the submitters uh, did not meet MWBE requirements and so had, had to be discounted. I could not even be considered. That left us with Johnson Locks, who is a very qualified firm. They were one of the submitters in the last proposal round we did. Uh, their total cost of the project, 1.2 million, 1.227 to be exact. Uh, what Carmen did uh, for the partners on that second page is run a debt analysis. This assumes being able, as you can see, taking the revenues from the new T-hangers that will be built. Um, under a five-year, which is what we're going to recommend, under a five-year recommendation, those hangars would bring in about $43,000 a year uh, when they're constructed. And by the way, they are pre-leased. We already have the folks signed up for them. So you see the annual debt that we've gotten a quote on um, from uh, Ameris Bank at 2.65%, 87.408, less than 43.2 from the revenue, uh, leaves a deficit there uh, of about 44.208. Um, the annual partner share then uh, annually would be $14,736 uh, to be assumed uh, on those. And so it, it's our recommendation uh, that we basically go ahead and, and uh, award the contract on the hangers to Johnson Locks. Uh, GDOT will come back in. You see the GDOT uh, broken out up top, uh, local share of the total project will end up being 708904. There is a splash that's eligible for use at the airport for 150, so the initial loan will only be for 558904. Uh, the G, we will add in some GDOT additional revenue that'll come in November of 2021, actually during the construction project. So we might not end up uh, really having to draw down that total loan. So, so that's how you get to the, the permanent loan amount of 408904, uh, which would be the amount to be borrowed by the partners for the project. So recommendation from, from the scoring team and actually the development authority approved this at their meeting uh, last week is to go ahead and engage for the contract and draw down those GDOT resources. So all, all total uh, with the GDOT, and she didn't add this in there, but 
the difference, um, about a half a million coming from GDOT right now and another 150 coming towards the project. Uh, so substantial amount being funded through mm -hmm. GDOT. And we are trying to get it crunched in before the end of their physical year because it includes some GDOT leftover aviation monies that we want to take advantage of before the physical year expires. This is about the same partner share that you had last time that you approved in the last round. Mm -hmm. So you recommend the five-year amortization schedule? We are recommending a five-year, at least a five-year initial loan. Now, the other thing that comes into play here, too, and we keep referring to Splash, and it can't do everything, but uh, since we've been able to drive the partner share down so low that you may get in if you decide to put any remaining balance into the next Splash for the airport, which you've done in the past, you can go ahead and retire this debt. Mm -hmm. Um, if not, you simply let our contribution continue to pick it up at $14,000 a year, which isn't bad at all. I will note that as we ran this, and I think it's important, probably it's important we come and give you a, a annual review of the budget for the airport. Uh, you see those, I know, on the Joint Management Board team. The revenue out there has been up. Uh, mm -hmm. So the partner shares have been declining anyway. Mm -hmm. And I really think, I think I'm in hopes and talking to Carmen, that this won't be an additional $14,000 per year that we'll have to pay. I think we may have some savings already in that budget so that, you know, if we see any increase, it'll be nominal yeah. uh, in, in that budget cycle because it's doing real well. So it's good news. It's really, it's really good news. Good news. All right, you heard the recommendation from staff that we um, approve the five-year amortization. Offer here for the hangers at the airport. Um, Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Uh, more of a statement than a question. Mm -hmm. But I uh, know we hang our hat a lot on uh, local option sale taxes, spilash, and uh, the money that we get from. Uh, those the revenues we get from spielage mm -hmm. and uh my understanding that it uh funds a lot of our projects mm -hmm. and <clears throat> what disturbs me so much is when we got this spielage and the times that we've done them over and over and over we still borrowing money to complete projects and i guess my lack of understanding of how the total budget process works, but um, I just don't understand we having to borrow money when we're depending so much on the revenue that we're bringing in from the sales taxes. Uh, something I'm, just. I might, I might have gone the wrong direction there. So, so this was not a project that was forecast in the splash. This is a brand new hangar project at the airport because we're out of hangar space. And so we reached out to GDOT and said, can you, do you have any money you can help us with on a grant for these hangars? Because we're out of space. We've got people that want to lease them. And GDOT said yes. And so this, was not, this is not an envisioned splash project at all. Uh, it was not programmed in the splash. Um, and, and you don't have to even worry about splash with this if you don't want to going <coughs> forward. But this, this is not a project that was not completed with the splash. This, this is a brand new that just came up last year as a matter of fact because of the need at the airport. Yeah, I was in on the initial meeting we had at the airport, but um, just my mind, 
I guess I still got a lot to learn, but local, I mean, it's sales taxes and still borrowing money just don't add up to me. Um, I, like I said, I got a lot to understand. I'm still learning, but that's just a comment I wanted to make. Well, so, yeah, and I, I'll try to, uh, and we can talk some more about it later, but, I, um, yeah, I, I might have misled you in saying, again, this was not a project that was ever envisioned to be paid by Splosh. The Splosh that's being used right here is an old Splosh that there was money left over in that was designated for the airport. And so it was actually splash money designated for airport that we can use here. And so we're simply saying in order to reduce the debt that you're gonna borrow for building these hangars, to bring some of that money in, okay, this is an old splash, and then you'll borrow the rest, but other than that, it doesn't have anything to do with splash. Mm -hmm. Unless you go to the next splash tax and you say, you know what, so that I don't pay this debt with, with property tax money, I want to put the balance on the splosh and take the relief off my taxpayers, then you could put that on the next splosh, but you don't have to. If you don't, then the general fund, i.e. tax dollars, are going, to, are going to pay the debt. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. And again, I, I was trying to do the number here, the one million um, two two seven of the project, if G dot, let's see. GDOT, the end, the end amount that GDOT's gonna end up kicking in is about 668,000. They're gonna kick in about half of that project cost is what they'll do over the end. How many hangers would this be? Uh, it'll be 12 additional. 12 additional hangers? Yes, sir. The other thing I think is gonna happen here too is that once these hangers get in, we're probably going to adjust the rental rate of the, of the hangers out there because that hasn't been adjusted. That's something the local management board's talking about. That's going to bring more money back into the airport budget. And so, again, would reduce the overall partner share uh, to anything that goes in. So. so what was the county's portion, the 408? The county, no, ma'am. Actually, actually what will happen in this is that um, – Number one, you, you would award the bids. Number two, you'd sign a resolution that says we want the state money. Mm -hmm. uh, the state then will six, send about 600000 to the project. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll kick in a little bit of old splash money that was designated for airport. So at the end, the partners are going, the, the actual, the industrial authority is going to go borrow 408904 because they run the budget for the airport. Okay. And so then the partners will pay them back is what will happen. Each partner will kick in $14,000 a year towards the remaining debt is what will happen. Which again, is about the same amount, almost exactly, that you approved last time when we tried to put these out and we couldn't contract it because of the state stuff. So you have an increase, you've already approved it once, so to speak, we mm -hmm. just had to go back out. What did happen is GDOT put some more money in the pot. Mm -hmm. That's what kept your cost the same as last time right. because the actual construction cost went up because of the materials and goods cost. And that's for five years? This would be for five years. For 12 which is, Yes, ma'am, which is okay. the same thing you looked at last time. Okay. Mr. Chairman, I would make a motion that we approve the Mid-Coast Hangar proposal. Is there a second? Second. Motion to second. We approve the Mid-Coast Hangar proposal presented. Any further discussion? 
Uh, Commissioner Jones, your point's well taken, but <clears throat> I do, as Mr. Brown suggested, we have a little offline conversation we'll, to, to further discuss your point. So your point's well taken and noted for our record. All right. All in favor, raise your right hand, please. Those opposed? One. All right. Chairman, the next thing on there related to this also is to be able to do a resolution authorizing a grant with the Department of Transportation to be able to draw down uh, that money for this project. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion. Here's a resolution. Second. Motion second to approve the resolution that goes along with the hangar proposal. Any further discussion? All in favor, raise your right hand. Those opposed? All right, thank you. Lost six recreation funding, District 2. Yes, sir. Um, I know Commissioner Frazier isn't, isn't able to be with us tonight, <laughs> but um, he had indicated to Mr. Martin that he wanted to try to enhance the uh, basketball court improvement project uh, down at Stafford Park. And uh, he met with Mr. Martin. They looked over some improvements. I can't tell you exactly what they were because they discussed those internally. I think it was some, some painting on the courts to make them look better and maybe even some bleachers uh, mm -hmm. to be there on the court. Uh, there has been somebody that's come forward and said basically they also wanted to make some private contribution to that. So I asked Mr. Martin, I said, what is it that needs to be moved from Commissioner Frazier's district into that to complete that project, and that estimate is $30,000. Mm. I discussed it with Commissioner Frazier, and he said that's fine. Um, wants to kind of do the same thing that, that, that some of y'all have been able to do to move money over to the recreation fund. Mm -hmm. and so he wants to be able to take some of his allocated um, District 2 money and move it over there. In the amount of 30000 Yes, sir, not to exceed thirty. That's All right. Chair and Tanner, motion. He's not here, but if if he's if if that's what he um, wants to do, then I'll, I'll make the motion that we um, uh, move the funds um, from Commissioner Frazier's um, splash uh, for District Two over to the Recreation Fund. I second it. Motion second. We allow the transfer as has been discussed. Do I need to make the motion for the amount, uh, Mr. Chairman? Well, he said. Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thirty thousand. Okay. All right. All in favor? Raise your right hand, please. Okay. All right. And I, I, I do have a, a question. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we just approved it, but I mean, this is the same court that we were, um, that we had voted a while back to, um, in memory of the the young man that. Uh, Spud. Spud. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So, I mean, and well, you you wouldn't know. Uh, I guess Joey, unless Jimmy told you or Justin told you, and I, I could check with him, but. Um, I wonder if you know is going to make a sign is going to be part of they that. are they are it's part it's part of a sign or a monument type thing a monument but a sign to be able okay. to hold that plaque and do okay. all that and I think they do want to put spud web courts in the you know in there in, mm -hmm. in the spray designation so okay. um, I haven't seen a model nice. on what they want okay. to do yet but I want to go ahead and make sure that if it was okay we go ahead and let them start work on mm -hmm. what they okay commission meeting schedule change. Uh, this is what was uh, brought back from your last meeting that you yeah. talked about uh, standardization of some meetings and yes, possibly going to uh, first and third Tuesdays mm -hmm. at six o'clock. Six o'clock is what you discussed. Last Thank you. Your recommendation that we start that in July. Do I remember that it correctly? Is, it is a recommendation we start that in July, please, mm -hmm. um, because we've already got the budget calendar set up and the advertisements and stuff that have to run there. So if mm -hmm. we can make it effective in the month of July, that would be great. Okay. If it's the board's will. All right. Totally up to y'all. Uh, board ready to make that move? Uh, what was the 
first and third Tuesday, six o'clock. First and third mm -hmm. Tuesday. Mm -hmm. We're gonna keep the time the same, the yeah. six. Mm -hmm. and Just rather than Thursday, it's a Tuesday. Rather than the third Thursday, now mm -hmm. it's the third Tuesday. Whether we start in July. Whether than third Tuesday at five, it'll be. I mean, third Thursday at five, five. it'll be third Tuesday second at six. Tuesday at six. I'm sorry. Third, third, third Tuesday. Third Tuesday at six, yes. You moving everything to six? Mm. That's what y'all talked about yes, last sir. time. It's totally up to whatever y'all yes, want sir. to do. And, Mr. Chairman, and, and, um, and we were doing that, you said, to standardize with well, the meetings for some of the, that, that the other uh, no. governments may be having so it won't interfere with them or... No. Well, it's just I mean, when you, when you say stand, I, I know, I, I know it was talked about, but um, yeah. and and I'll, I'll I'll say this, I'll I'll do the um, do my level best to to make every meeting, regardless of when it's scheduled. I mean, you know, I have a few other things uh, going on, um, but um, I, you know, and you know, since I've been here, I was just, I just wrote this down for this conversation, and and it really doesn't matter one way or another, but um, there are some times when um. When the first of the month comes in on a Thursday, which would be the first Thursday, but that following Tuesday, for example, would be the sixth. And the next week, nine days later, we meet on the 15th. And if the first, of the, the first Thursday in the month is a second, that following Tuesday is the seventh, and we meet nine days later on the 16th. And if the first Thursday on the month is the third, that following Tuesday is the 8th, and we meet on the 17th. And I'm saying that to say this. There are several times throughout the year where we meet nine days apart. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, week after week, nine days, but, you, you know, this week and next week. Mm -hmm. And doing this, that would be um, every 14 days. We won't have the, the luxury, if you would call it, of the nine. And I, I like the nine because it does come up two or three times a year. And I mean that maybe that's no reason to keep it that way, yeah. but doggone it, that's what I like. <laughs> well, and I think, Commissioner Gideon, you know, we'll work with whatever y'all decide. No, to I, I mean, uh, I'm, I, I, again, I'm, I'm going to um, yeah. going to Cobbtown in the morning, and if, if if there was a meeting in the morning, I wouldn't be here because I'd be in Cobbtown. So it's going to be some times that um, come in that regardless of when it is, how you do it, yeah. um, and um, you know. So, but I, I mean, I had to put that out, but. In the 12, 13 years that I've been here, when we hit the nine, I said, man, that's two full weeks that we, not, not that I don't like coming up here. I mean, I, I love it. But, um, but, but when we hit the nine, it's, it's a good feeling for me. There will be some months, too, Miss uh, McLaughlin, I talked about, she's already gone, where, you know, they struggle to get, get the information they need from other entities to close the books on time to get you your third Thursday report. Mm -hmm. So there could be some times when that report is really two months later. That's mm -hmm. what was concerning me. So, so that, that, you know, there right. will be, that, that will, yeah. And another thing that challenge. was if, you know, the employees or department heads that have to come before us at mid-month, they can come right when they get off rather than have to hang around for an hour to come back at six. So, you know, I know it was discussed, but the more I think about it, I think that may be why we went to a five o'clock. Um, and the Thursday, 
Um, so I, I don't know. I, th I think I. <laughs> I thought we had vetted it. <laughs> well, um, the chair's empty. But you know, but I think you know that the employees. I'm looking out to those department heads mm -hmm. that have an hour. Yeah, they they, they, they had an hour to sit around five. and do nothing. Yeah, I think we should leave it the way it is. Well, if you make that motion, you got my second. Or I'll make the motion and you can get the second. Go ahead. I'm fine with it. Okay. Uh, Further discussion, please. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, um, I think that uh, one of the reasons uh, the commissioner from the second district uh, brought the issue up was uh, he and I both work shift work. And on uh, any given day, week, um, the first Tuesday or the Thursday, our shifts, we may be off, we may be on graveyard shift. And uh, so really to me personally, it doesn't matter because I'm gonna be working one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And if I have to attend to meeting my employer at the present as being um, very lenient with me, they work with me and if uh, my have to be late or get off early, um, they accommodate me so far. So it really doesn't matter with me one way or the other. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Y'all say the chair is empty? The chair is empty. <laughs> All right. So, chair. So, so, so listen, <laughs> we don't have to make any change or we can make a change. You know? I, 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 I mean, I, that's true. I mean, yeah. you... I'll make a motion that we that we leave it the same. Second. Clear it up. Motion to second that we leave the meeting schedule as is. Any further discussion? All those in favor? All opposed. All right. We'll, nothing changes right. then. Okay. We'll work around it the best we can, as we have been doing. I did it for 19 years. <laughs> Insurance renewal, property, and casualty. Yes, sir. I, I gave you a very complicated but the analytical sheet that our insurance provider puts together. This is for property and casualty insurance. Um, we, we can kind of cut to the chase. We had to go ahead and bind it. Um, that insurance renewal came in, I think it was like two weeks ago. It renews like two weeks later. I mean, it just takes that much time. You see the, car the different carriers in there that handle our lines of coverage. The types of coverage are obviously shown on the left. And so Seville, uh, partner group out of Atlanta, which is where uh, Ms. Sykes uh, works. They only bind public entity insurance. They specialize in that and they shop those carriers for us to get us the best price. They took the bids uh, and, and this is what came back. The good news is, uh, the bad news is it did increase some, not unexpected. Uh, given the COVID, given, given some of the changes that the insurance companies have made concerning special coastal clients on, on the coast. The good news is, though, that overall it was only like a 2.8% increase, which I think I would have expected uh, something in the 5 or 6% range. So uh, you see the totals that we pay out in the premiums there, and they're very expensive. But again, that is all of our public. The only thing that's not on here is the employee health insurance, obviously, because it's binded mm -hmm. through Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm -hmm. So our largest cost, obviously general liability, automobile liability, um, all of our property <coughs> liabilities based on replacement values, uh, something that did go up this year, cyber liability. 
uh, if, you, if you remember, we had to use that a few years ago. So very good to have it. But I bring that to you for information. Basically, this is a budgeted item. Uh, this is something actually that will roll into next year's budget. We did change the cycle so that we could have this in effect before the budget year came in. It was previously on a October or September renewal rate. So we will have now the accurate number that will go into our budget. The only thing that would change this during the year is if you add buildings or add a substantial number of vehicles to the fleet, other than what we've got, then the line of coverage should be affected. Mm -hmm. okay. So you said information? It is. We had to go ahead and bind that. So, and this you, this is a great takeaway. It shows all our all of our deductibles and. Mm -hmm all of our areas of liability. County attorney reviews it to ensure that we've got the liability coverage we need. Others are specified by law. And so uh, that's how those limits are set. All right. Once again, we don't need to take action. You do not. All right, make sure. All right. Put that in the pending column. All right. Alcohol beverage license hook and reel. Yes, sir. Uh, so the Half Moon Marina down at Colonel's Island sold and sold oh, really? Mr. Uh, Kevin Hofkin. And uh, Mr. Hofkin is just a change in ownership uh, for the alcohol license down there. And it's already gone through the sheriff approved um, and uh, LCPC approved, obviously. So just need to a motion in a second to approve it. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, they have always had. Um, alcohol license previously the other owners yes sir they uh, did it's, it's, it's really just a, a property owner name change no, right. yes. thank you good, good question mm -hmm. a little shot down by half moon yeah all right chair intended motion so move mr chairman is there a second second motion. second oh, any further discussion all in favor raise your right hand please approve the alcohol license request simply because of change of ownership any announcements? Uh, just a few, if you don't mind, I'll be real quickly. Uh, and I'll let Mr. Mosley actually talk about this one because it was a question that mm -hmm. came up this week, and that's I saw youth, that. youth employment. So that's moving along. If I thought like we had discussed that. Update on, on, what's, on what's going on there. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Chair, members of the board, uh, we, we are currently taking applications for the program, which will uh, end on this coming uh, Friday. And we're going to do the interview process. We'll do the orientation for students on June the 8th, <clears throat> and on the following day, uh, we'll meet with department heads, and uh, we'll start the uh, life skill sessions at Monday and Tuesday, and then every Monday afterwards, and uh, we'll have a graduation ceremony uh, on the 16th, and uh, supposed to be 2021, I don't know why. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> what was the age on this? Just being school? Was there an age? Uh, yes, ma'am. It was uh, 14, 18. 14? Uh -huh. 14, 18. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to talk to the department heads and ask them to participate on Friday's department head meeting. All right. Listen to their participation. Did want to get Clint to bring up one thing, if you don't mind, too. All that beautiful bean footage. We looked at um, the chairman brought this up, and, and we we've been looking at some things. Actually, Mr. Mosley and I met with Whitfield Science to look at some options. those lights for me to uh, to put behind Commissioner Gilliard up there. 
Um, so Whitfield Science came, did some measurement on there. If you go ahead and flip it, there's the first one. Um, kind of a brushed stainless in the back that looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, when, we, when we do a new logo, then, then what Mr. Mosley knows will work is room to put the new logo up there also. The one I think that <laughs> we recommend to you is the next one, which is a script on top and a block on bottom, which looks pretty interesting. Um, and again, room for the logo that would still go up there. But the brush, when we looked at the brush actually on the paint color and the wood and everything, it, it really just kind of stood out. It looked what, it would say to go right, right here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Go back to the other one. Go back, roll back to the, to the block. <laughs> I gotta find it, huh? There it is. I don't know, y'all. Mm-hmm. They both look good. They both will be a great enhancer. Mm -hmm. more room, I tell you. Either way you look at it. That one looks more. <laughs> we're trying to. That looks I more. Know, I think the thing we were trying to do while we suggested the script a little bit was to get away from the just the governmental block. Yeah. And everything. Okay. But but they both they both will look good on that wall. Do the other one again, Clint. Both look good on that. I wall. think I like that one. Uh, it pops. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think that, that one is, uh, I mean, we we know it's, it's liberty now. You you can look at it from here that that, and there's no such word as this purity, but that that kind of looks like a P in the front. <laughs> from, from here, now you know, I, I I ain't got my I ain't got my glasses on, but uh, but I, I mean, I, right and 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 the C looks like a G. Yeah, well. But I mean, you know, I, I know, I know it's Liberty County, and yeah. I, I know it from anywhere. But that, well, it may be better that, to go with the block. Well, yeah. that 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 cursive that cursive writing, um, yeah, you know, is a little little fancy. But uh, I mean, that's yeah. that that's that's yeah. plain and simple. But I mean, I, I would know what the other one was. Um, yeah. e either way, but can, can you flip back to the other one just a second? I, maybe something that helps. Okay, I think so. So now go back to the block one, and we won't tell you that much longer. Maybe what throws us off a little bit is if the Liberty County stood out better on the other one. If this was downsized a little bit, then, then you know you got Liberty County and then Board of Commissioners at the bottom. It's not as big of a block. Then I think the Liberty pops on this one too. But I, I and then maybe they did that, Joey, because they they wanted it to be the same length. Well, my happier. That's true. I mean, you know, because if you use a, a smaller yeah. font. It won't be if, quite as long. If you favor the simplicity of the block, then let us go back to Whitfield and work with them on the block and see what those options are. Let's see what they are. Okay, that sounds good. And then whatever we do on the uh, on the logo, we could. I mean, that'll help bring that out some too. Right. Very good. And as, and as long as you keep the the nine days, two or three times a year between the meetings. Go ahead, Joey. And I, so, I, so, I so, so so a couple of quick other things there. Um, is uh, the Sunbury Sailing Improvement Grant that was submitted was not approved. Oh. So I'll just let you know that. Oh. Uh, we're trying to get a read on the scoring and some of those type things. That were there. It looked like that most of the awards went to state-sponsored projects mm. that occurred on historic sites, which is pretty interesting. Mm. Um, I did want to mention, um, did you give those COVID rate things back? I looked at the COVID rate schedule. I know before before I came in, I can about remember 
what what they were um, according to the Board of Health as of today. We we still um, we're almost in the lead in one category, but that's not one we want to be in, and that's the transmission rate. The transmission rate is still almost twice what it would need to be. Um, so it's around 161. Mm -mm. Um, so, so that's the bad news. The other bad news is that uh, we are losing. We are number seventh out of eighth in the percentage of vaccination. I saw that in news. Uh, Long County is the only one in the eight county region that's worse than our rate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we still got a ways to go. Mm -hmm. I think the transmission rate has been the gauge for us as far as whether we reopen indoor facilities and do a lot of stuff. So unfortunately, the two combined aren't real good right now. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to share, mm -hmm. share that. I did take a look at that today. The other thing, Mr. Chairman, you're aware of that um, is that just to let the board know, we, we did execute on behalf of the board the film agreement that was actually transmitted Sunday night for the filming that's occurring. Uh, that's a last minute thing out of California that comes, uh, but they will start doing some filming down there behind our fire station uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, yeah. Yes, which which station do right you Islands. Station. The Island Station. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. They filmed at the Bacon Fraser House today, and in fact, they're filming tonight. Mm -hmm. right what's, it, what's behind the station that they want to film back there? Uh, big, big oak, oak trees. They built, they built okay. a set, too. Okay. Big oak trees. They're building an encampment, doing something. Mm -hmm. They built a nice set, like from that time period. Mm -hmm. that's, actually yeah. the, that's actually where the plane crashed. What's the time period? 40s. 40s. Well, it goes from. But that period is in force. Yeah. So this was pretty interesting. But uh, mm -hmm. they'll actually, under the agreement, they're gonna, we're going to give them a little bit of water out of the well. They're going to make it rain. And um, they'll compensate <laughs> us about $2,500 uh, for the water, which is a pretty good deal. So mm -hmm. we'll be all right. <laughs> so I just want well. to make you aware of that. Um, and just the calendars. I know you got those. We got budget work session Thursday in the after lunch and then work in the afternoons and so I think all those are on your calendar. And we'll what time does it start Thursday? It starts at 12 for lunch and then one actually on the work. Yeah. We'll send out a reminder. Yeah. And the the, the pictures the um that they the are 12 to 5. That's that's going to be at the at the meeting, right? The next meeting. That'll be before the next meeting. Maria has sent y'all up. That's right. Y'all can, can all please more. dress in your church attire and <laughs> come for the picture there. <laughs> mhm. Mm Okay. Then we'll have those made. Mr. Chair, I don't know. Does everyone receive a copy of this today? Yeah. Did. I guess this is a drawing of that Arnold Highway. Where it's showing trees at now. There's a pond, there's a holding a detention pond already there, which would be right here. This is a detention pond about right here, and there's a box covered. And also I asked the question the last time, who is gonna be responsible for I guess they're trying to widen the road. Is that what, that's what this is showing? I'm not sure what you're looking at. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that the related to the industrial yeah, the, work? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It was in the mailbox when I got it. It was in that mailbox. In the mailbox? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so but the development thought are paying for the road improvements. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So
start back to back up here. So the current lane will start back up here, turn left in here. And then there's also a flare out for the acceleration on that side. And I'm just saying what I'm saying. So, so you can the same thing down here. So there's the turn lane will actually start down here and run, of course, beyond there when it when it goes back in. But yes, from what I understand and what I think the chair was talking about last time, the, the development authority, the either development authority or the client uh, is permitting all the road improvements. So my, my, my next question is, will this be prepared by the time the building is open? It needs to be. So I think it's time. I think we have to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah, looking out for the safety of people. Oh, no, I agree. I agree, Commissioner Davis. I think probably, I haven't asked a specific question. If I'm building that building, though, it'll be there. asphalt in here. So any asphalt mm -hmm. Yeah, that you can get a, a little confirmation on that sure, sure. and find out to make sure yeah. that the building that's, that's, doesn't open up before. That's a conversation with Trent. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, or basically with the development authority and their contracting schedule. Yeah. But I'll be glad to. Trent's doing the delivery accounting part, making sure that everything's up to par. Right. He's our gatekeeper. He must put it in our box, I guess. Hmm. He might have. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, before we go, I, hmm. uh, Joey, um, when you see. Um, your contemporary across the street, Mr. Howard and Mr. Chairman, when you see uh, Mayor Brown, mm -hmm. tell them that the Great American Cleanup, which was, I think, the uh, <laughs> 20th, that for the 20th year in a row that, that the county beat the city. Now, I, 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 told Ken, I told Kenny that this morning on the, um, and I know he's listening. I told him that this morning at the department head meeting, the Zoom call, I, I told him that, you know, my guys from ESG, you know, we had 20 people and we did everything we could um, to keep the city in second place for the 20th year in a row. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, and, and second place doesn't uh, sound bad, um, you know, because if it was an Olympus, it would be a but civil matter. Mm. But if you could say second place, and on the downside, you could say <laughs> last again. When you see him, just, just, just remind him. <laughs> we'll see him tomorrow. I don't want to get mad at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's out there now for the whole wide world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. I was hoping to get an order, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Chairman, motion to adjourn. So move. Second. All in favor. All right.